0: Snatch the pebble from my hand. When you take the pebble from my hand, it will be time for you to leave. Coming to you from the Philadelphia area. disciple is not above his teacher, Jesus says. But he, after he or she has been fully trained, will become just like the one who has taught them. That's what we heard Jesus say last week, and it will be, be a theme in this series that we started a week ago called Apprentices, because that's what a disciple is. A disciple is an apprentice who sits at the feet of another in order that they might not just learn skill or wisdom, but that they can ultimately become exactly who their teacher is. And where I want to begin here this morning, though, is right here. You tuck your children into bed and you are walking around town. And you see all these people who are sitting in front of a fire who are warming themselves. It's like one o'clock in the morning. And as you sit down with all these other people in front of the fire, you can feel the warmth up against your, your face. You can hear the kindling of the wood, and you can see sparks and embers popping in the darkness. And yet at one point, though, you look over and you see a man and you can just tell that there is something so wrong with this person. Because they just look so, so sad and so confused and so scared. What you've gathered, according to what everybody else has said so far, is that there had been this, this huge incident not that long ago in the evening where the man called Jesus everybody has been speaking about. Rumor is they just arrested him close by and now he's being interrogated. Well, you're sitting there and you get even closer to the fire and you're warming yourself when when all of a sudden one of the women sitting right next to you jumps up and, and she points at this other man and says, wait a minute, I know who you are. You were one of the disciples of Jesus. I've seen you with him before. And the man just kind of looks up at her and he looks at all the rest of us and he says... I neither know nor understand what you're talking about. But she doubles down and she says, No, I saw you with him an hour and a half ago in Gethsemane. You are one of his apprentices. And yet this man also doubles down on her and says, I don't know what you're talking about. And he looks at another person and says, This woman is crazy. I don't know who she's talking about. Well, a little bit more time transpires, though, and one of the men says that, no, there's no way that you are not one of his followers because when you spoke up, you've, you have a Galilean accent, and that had betrayed you. That, that had given you away as one of his followers. Well, now this man, seated there in front of the fire, now begins invoking curses upon himself, saying that, I swear on the city of Jerusalem, that I do not know the man who you're speaking about. I swear by the gold in the temple of Jerusalem, I swear to God himself, I do not know who or what you are speaking about. And as soon as that last denial came out of the mouth of Simon Peter, there came a sound that to everybody else's ears was a very everyday mundane sound that meant nothing but... In the ears of Simon Peter, though, it was an eerie sound that would, I I would imagine, haunt him for the rest of his life. As he hears the rooster crowing, it says that Simon Peter suddenly remembers something. And what he remembers came about in the upper room As Jesus lets his followers know that that on this very night, I will be handed over. And every single one of you are going to fall away on account of me. And I love Peter so much because of his heart, such a beautiful heart. He he pulls Jesus inside and said, Jesus, that's where you're wrong. Even if I have to die with you, I'm not going to let that happen. And Jesus looks right into his face and he says that that before the rooster has crowed tonight, you will have denied me three times. And yet it's much worse than even that for Simon Peter, because even after he has made his third denial and, and he hears the rooster crowing, At that exact moment in time, Jesus is being led out of his interrogation room and he looks at Peter from from afar and he looks him right in the eye just as the rooster is crowing. And then it says, as all of this has happened, Peter just starts crying his heart out. See, it starts with him remembering, but then he realizes and, and emotionally it registers that, that, oh my God, I, I just denied the man who I saw, who I witnessed raise people from the dead. You know, I was there in the boat as he calmed the sea storm with just a couple words from his mouth. The man who I saw with my own eyes walk on the water And change it into wine. The man who I saw transfigured up on a mountaintop. And he was hanging out with with Moses and with Elijah. The man who personally healed my mother-in-law of a fever. And who saved my very life as I was drowning in the sea. That I just denied the very one who just an hour to an hour and a half ago said, There is no way I am going to deny you even once. And now, what is coming out of those exact same lips is, I don't even know who you're speaking about. What is his name again? Jebus? Jephus? Jesus? I don't know him. So just leave me alone. You know, when I was younger, I used to read this, and I would envision a very angry look in Jesus' eyes. Like, You stupid, worthless, failure, imbecilic, didn't I tell you this is exactly what, look at you. Just get out of my my life forever. And a lot of people in a lot of churches have been handed to Jesus just like that. And yet in the words of the Apostle Paul, as we grow and as we mature, we, we need to put away childish things, don't we? Because as Jesus looks into the face of Peter, even after he is denied in front of all of these these witnesses, by the way of oath, that he doesn't know Jesus, I believe that there was nothing but love in those eyes. And that's because when Jesus looks at us, he does not see failures. But I believe that as he looked at Peter in that exact moment, that that. If his look could have had words to it, it would have been Peter. I'm looking at you by what you are becoming. And all that I see when I look and as I gaze into your your face is what you're very soon going to become. I believe that as he looks at Peter, what, what is going on in his eyes is, Peter, I still love you. I still forgive you. And in fact, oh child of mine, I've never loved you more than I do right now, in fact. You see, this is by far the most prevalent, inescapable process of being an apprentice of really anybody and anything, but but especially as a disciple of Jesus. And that is in this process of, in a very blunt way, screwing up. You know, before Kwai Chang King could become Kung Fu, first he had to be young fool. I mean, it took him his whole entire childhood to ever snatch a pebble out of his master's hand. Spoke about Kobe Bryant a week ago, and long before Kobe Bryant won all of these championships as Michael Jordan's understudy, he was shooting four air balls in like five minutes in one of his first playoff games. And in a lot of churches, there is a perception for a lot of people who have come to Christ that, okay, I have just come up out of the the waters of baptism, so now I am a perfect example of Jesus Christ now. I am a facsimile of Jesus now in a perfect way, but when you are an apprentice of Jesus, that does not come overnight, does it? And I mean, we just have to accept that, that along the way, we are going to royally mess up. Young disciples mess up all the time. Middle-aged followers of Jesus mess up all the time. Old, even sage followers of Jesus Christ still fall short of the glory of God. I mean, I look at Peter in just one evening, and I mean, at least like four or five times, I mean, he is just blowing it left and right on this evening. We're in the upper room. Peter has been intentionally seated in the very least important chair. Ordinarily, he's right next to Jesus. But there in the upper room, he has been seated in in a a chair of a servant, which if you sat there, you had to wash everybody's feet. Peter does not do that. And so, in front of everybody, Jesus pretty much rebukes him, all eyes on Peter, that the greatest among you is going to be a servant. And if I am seated way over here in a seat of honor and washing your guys' feet, then then you should wash one another's feet too. That that was a rebuke of Peter. Then as Jesus says that that I'm going to be crucified, and Peter says, no, that's not going to happen on my watch. Just, Just let me fight your battles, Jesus. What does Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me Satan, wow. You think that he screwed up a little bit there in the upper room? (laughs) I think about as he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, couldn't you keep watch with me for just one hour? That's a rebuke. But then ultimately, though, as Jesus is being arrested and apprehended, Peter does what a lot of people in in even the church of today too, and they they, um, grab the sword of the Spirit. In this case, he he actually grabs a real actual sword and he tries to decapitate a servant of the high priest. Cuts his ear off, right? Jesus says, put your sword back in its place because all of those who will live by the sword must also die by the sword. Peter messed up. And now here in front of a fire, we have his most human moment of all, don't we? where he's got so much fear and insecurity mounting deep inside of him that he doesn't even know what is coming out of his mouth fully. Because I imagine he is wondering, what's going to happen to the guy who tried to kill a servant of the high priest in front of all of those witnesses? What's going to happen to me? But what I find so interesting, though, about his... his, his denials that I've never noticed until just a couple days ago is that a rooster crows after his very first denial too and it doesn't register in his mind. But especially there's a full hour between his second denial and his last denial. You would think that for an hour straight that that it would be the only thing on your mind. Wait a minute, what what did I just say? But it never registers in his heart. Until that very last denial and the last crowing of the rooster. I mean, Peter is just blowing it left and right. He failed his Lord over and over and over and over. 20 minutes later, over and over and over again. And yet it's so easy to look at Failings of another person, though, and to be very hard on them and critical of them. I mean hindsight's 2020 as we read scripture. You see, Peter is not the only one who has failed Jesus over and over, is he? I have failed Jesus over and over and over and over again. You have failed Jesus over and over and over and over again. And that is just in reference to last week, maybe even a few hours ago this morning. For us as people. You see, we all, not just Peter, but we all have to sit in front of a fire in this world. You see, it's not just that, that he is not the only one who's ever failed Jesus, but we too also have denied that Jesus is our Lord before. We have. But why I admire Peter so much is that he caught feelings over that. He cried his heart over that, whereas I can only speak for for me myself. I I haven't always wept about that when I realize what I've done. Well, we're going to spend these next... Maybe three messages in Luke 9.23. Where there in Luke 9.23, what Jesus says is, and this is all we're going to really look at this morning, where Jesus says to them all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself. If anyone would come after me as my apprentice, let him deny himself. Jesus uses two very conditional words here, doesn't he? He uses the word if, first of all. Now in Scripture we have a lot of huge words. Propitiation, atonement, transformation, all these long, long-lettered words. But, but so often what we learn in Scripture is that it's actually the very shortest words that, that have a tendency of being really the largest and the biggest words. Words like "but." And words like if, even shorter. We were all going to be here in this auditorium right now this morning, but only if we had woken up and showered and put clothes on, got inside our cars and came here. The Eagles would have won another championship, but if they hadn't lost any games in the playoffs, but they did. And so we see how important that word if really is. And we see this all over in Scripture. As as Jesus says, notice, for if you forgive others, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But then notice, he says, if you do not forgive others, then neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That word if is crucial there. 2 Timothy, it says that that if we endure, we will also reign with Jesus. But notice, if we deny him, if we deny him, that he's also going to deny us. That if we are faithless, then it says he remains faithful. And so that word if is a very conditional word when he says, if anyone wants to come after me. But he also uses another very short conditional word, which is the word must. If anyone wants to come after me as my apprentice, he or she must, must deny themselves. And you see, what is so crucial about that word must is that this is not a suggestion, is it? Must eliminates an option on our parts. This is Jesus saying that that if you want to, to live in a world of malice, And have love and gentleness in your life. If you want to to have everlasting life within you, here is what it takes. And as we saw a week ago, as it pertains to being an apprentice, once we start following after that that instructor or that rabbi, whoever it is, we are agreeing that this is no longer on, on my terms, but on their terms. And so what we find this morning is that self-denial is a condition of discipleship. And we look at a word in the text of deny, and it is a courtroom term, which means that you just simply state something is not true. It means to refuse something, but it also means to say no to something as well. Now, as Simon Peter is. Is saying that he does not know Jesus in that way under oath. What he's saying is that, what he's saying is, I am refuting all association with Jesus Christ. Am I his disciple? No, I am not. Am I an apprentice of Jesus Christ? I am not his apprentice. And yet, we rewind here to Luke chapter 9, and what Jesus now says to us is that you need to deny yourselves just like Peter had denied me. This is how we must be in denial of our own selves. I saw recently that, that um, um, Brandon has um, a dog who he had, had adopted recently, and it reminded me of when, when we got a dog for the first time, whose name is Mika. And, you know, you bring them inside our, our homes and the very first thing that has to be established is you're not the alpha dog. We're the alpha dogs around here. And that does not come overnight even for, for a dog, does it? Now, they still think that they are the alpha dog every now and then. And I coddle them all the time, which, which never really helps. But, but a dog has to understand I am not in charge in this house. They are in charge around here. And to whoever makes they themselves an apprentice of Jesus enters into this spiritual obedience school where it is understood that I am not in charge around here, that all of this is revolving around Jesus. It is not revolving around me. And it's the attitude of what Mary says as she, she learns that, that she's pregnant out of wedlock by the Holy Spirit. When she says, here I am, I am the servant of the Lord. And so what this means is that every single day we, we have to consciously enter into a lifestyle. Or I'm going to deny myself of my human pride today. And I really think that is the number one reason why so many people ultimately will have rejected Jesus. Because the only way that that we can can give our lives to Jesus Christ is we we have to surrender to his will. We've got to say, Lord, I screwed up. Lord, my wisdom is not so wise after all. I need a Messiah to come and to rescue me out of my situation. A lot of people in their human pride simply cannot reach up and accept help like that. Because we would much rather imagine and to pretend that that we're already good enough on our own, but we're not. It takes discipline to be a disciple. Every day we have to make a choice to to, um, consciously crucify our own selfish impulses and desires. Every marriage that I have ever seen that has ended in a divorce, with, with very few exceptions... It was because at least one individual in that marriage just could not let go of the fact that that I need to be down here and my spouse needs to be up here. I would rather be up here and have my spouse way, way down there. And that will end the marriage very quickly. As I look at Amanda, I realize that the only way I will ever be able to, to love her as Christ loves the church is I've got to put myself last at all times. I've got to put her way up here and God even higher than that. As I look at you as a church, I realize as I walk through the doors that this is not the David Creek show. But really, I've got to be under the the earth as it is. And I've got to elevate all of you way above onto the roof as it was. I've got to consider your your interests far above my own and to look at you, and to care more for you than I do for my own desires. It takes discipline to be a disciple. Every day we have to crucify our own earthly impulses and pleasures. As it says in the book of Titus, it says, For the grace of God has appeared that that offers salvation to all people. Notice this, it teaches us to say no. That, That is what it means to deny. When we have all kinds of temptations swirling about in our lives, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and to worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. We need discipline to be a disciple. And yet what especially jumps out at me in the book of Titus is this, where in the context of, of elder qualifications, Paul is speaking about people who are not living a godly lifestyle. Notice how he says of such individuals, both both in and outside of that particular church, that that they claim to know God, but by their actions, they deny Him. Peter is not the only one who said, more or less, Jesus is not my Lord. I I am not a follower of Jesus. I've got nothing to do with Him. Our actions scream that. And proclaim that Jesus is not our Lord when we live this way. It takes discipline to be a disciple. I mean, we deny Jesus as our Lord every time that we consciously know what his will is. But, but no, I want to do my will right now. We deny Jesus every time we are with, with our co-workers or our relatives or friends and they are being um, dismissive and sarcastic about Jesus as, as Lord. And all eyes are on us because they, they know that we are one of them. And yet, how many times, though, have we given right into that and just slunk back in our chair? And that, in a sense, is a denial of the Lordship of Christ. And yet, here's what it looks like, though. We come to John chapter 9 and we have a beautiful example of a man who had been been blind his whole entire life, had been a beggar. Jesus gives him ability now. He can actually see as everybody else does. and, And all of his neighbors and friends and relatives who have known this guy 30, 40 years, however old he is, notices a radical transformation in him. And we come to John chapter 9 and we start in the eighth verse, and, and here's what we read where it says that the neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said it is he, but others said no, but, but he is just like him. And notice what this man does though. It says that he kept saying to them, I am the man. That is confirmation right there. Public confirmation. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? And then especially notice verse 11, where he answers and he says, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes, and he said to me, go to to a pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and I washed, and now I received my sight. This guy does not have any amnesia about who Jesus is here, does he? He just blurts it out. The man called Jesus and he confirms it and he proclaims it to everybody. Jesus is the reason why I can now see. And yet we we have the other example though in verse 20, though, where his parents know who has healed him. They I mean they know good and well it was Jesus. And yet a group of elders and scribes and and whoever else it was, Pharisees. They, they, they um, track his parents down. Verse 20. His parents answered, We know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But notice, but how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age. How our son sees, we do not know. Peter, I do not know the man who you're speaking about. And here's why in verse 22. It says that his parents said these things because they feared the Jews. It says, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be Christ, he was to be cast out of the synagogue. This is why his parents said, he is of age, just just ask him. You see, his parents were much more concerned about what's going to happen to us, what's going to happen to our reputation if we lose, lose face, more than glorifying God for what has just happened. John chapter 12, verse 42, again it says, Nevertheless, many even of the authorities believed in Jesus. But for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it, so that they would not be put out of the synagogue. Verse 43 really is, as a summary of it, where it says, for they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. And yet I love so much the um, heart and the character of this man who has just been healed though. Because he's asked about it again later on in John chapter 9. And ultimately what he says is, again, the man who is called Jesus, he is the reason why I can see. He is the reason why there is so much joy and happiness in my heart right now. Was it Jesus who healed me? Yes, it was. Am I now a follower of his? Why? Yes, I am. And he is blacklisted out of a synagogue there. His reputation took a hit and it nosedived, but, but he didn't care about any of that. Because after all, the man named Jesus has now opened up an entire new door in my life. And now I can see as everybody else does. And when we confirm and proclaim Jesus is our master we're going to be laughed at many times. Our reputation is going to many times take a hit. I mean, there are people right now in this world who look at me as a quote-unquote as a dangerous minister, as a heretic, simply because I am looking at other people, at minorities in this world through the eyes of Jesus Christ. When we follow Jesus into these very unfamiliar places to us, against our human nature. And we confirm that, and we do not cower away from that. Our reputation is going to nosedive a lot of times. And yet an apprentice does not care. An apprentice braces for for whatever's coming their way. So as we close this morning, I mean, Simon Peter had denied Jesus three times, we know. The blind man's parents had denied Jesus... Ask him, he's of age. We don't know what, how he's able to see. Simon Peter said, I do not know. I swear to God, I don't know who you're talking about. I don't know Jesus. And I, yet I want to end on this note though. Is that even though all of us in some way, shape or form have denied the lordship of Jesus in our lives. When we follow after him every day as his apprentice, our 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 shortcomings and our screw-ups and our failures from yesterday do not define who we are right now. As the evil one comes to us and he tries to get us to revert back to the old us and to live in the way that we used to live, now we can look at him and say that I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even know who that person is anymore because that's not who I am anymore. I am a new creation in Jesus Christ. And and I love him so much that, that I would much rather be in denial of what I want than to deny my Lord. Am I his son? Am I his daughter? Why, yes, I am. I am his apprentice. The man called Jesus is the reason why we can see and why we can walk spiritually. He is the reason why we have eternal life and joy and peace within us. And yet having said that though, there are going to be many more times where where we find ourselves sitting in front of the fire. So I just want to ask us one simple question as, as a challenge as we leave soon. And that is, is there anything in my heart, in your heart that is that is screaming in denial of Jesus Christ and his power in our lives? Is there anything concealing the fact in this world that, that we are his sons and daughters? Is there anything in our lives that we need to deny ourselves of and to crucify forevermore? Whatever that that thing is that that, that may or may not be in our mind this morning. I close with the words of Jesus as he says that whoever wants to truly be my apprentice, my disciple, my son and daughter, they must deny themselves. But everyone, after they have been fully trained, will become just like the one who taught them.